Welcome in to the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show's third episode. I'm Aaron Heisen with my co-host, Will Kozine. We got a lot of fun topics to cover, and we finally have some interesting football news. We will also be covering some of the sophomores, players going into their second year in the league, and per usual play another fun little mini-game. Let's get right into the news. The first piece of news is Patrick Mahomes' 10-year extension through 2031. Cha-ching, cha-ching. He got paid um, $503 million is the total number, I think, and it's $477 million guaranteed, roughly. What are your thoughts on this, Will? I mean, he's the best player I've ever seen, and I have nothing else to say, really, except for well-deserved. He told, like He deserves every penny of it, plus more. No matter how much he gets paid, he's still probably underpaid. So, yeah. That's a bold take. Um, I think Mahomes is great, and he definitely deserved every penny, like you said. Does this affect the contract talks with any other quarterbacks in the league currently? I, I really don't think so. Obviously, people are going to say that Dak is going to be looking at this and wanting something comparable, maybe. I don't think so. I think Mahomes is his own person. He's his own contract nego- negotiation. And there's really just no one like him, and I don't think it's going to affect anyone else's contract. If Dak truly believes that he is worth that money, it's just kind of delusional at this point. He's not going to receive close to the same amount or uh, that Mahomes has received. And I think Prescott better look towards um, negotiating a smaller deal than he was hoping for. Yeah, I just I this is its own thing. No other NFL player I would even consider giving a 10-year deal to. And so... You, you can't learn anything from this in terms of other players. Yeah, well, um, I'm glad for Patrick Mahomes. Let's move on to the next piece of news. This was basically, this came out a few minutes before our show started, our recording started. Raheem Mostert, the running back for the San Francisco 49ers, has requested a trade. And from my point of view, this was completely out of the blue. I mean, Mostert was a huge part of their NFC Championship run last year. Uh, a huge part of their regular season um, success. He was brought on the team a few years ago as a special team type player, third or fourth running back on the roster, and was paid that way. So is that why he's requesting a trade? Yeah, well, obviously he thinks he deserves more money than he's currently getting. I think most people would agree with that. There's been internal negotiations with the team that have not gone well, which is unfortunate because they've done a great job of keeping it behind closed doors, which is why it's so out of the blue right now. Um He's 28 years old, which is unfortunate. It's older for running back, and it means he's probably not going to get a bigger extension or any extension at all. And so he wants his current deal restructured, so he's getting paid commensurate to other NFL running backs. And so for his sake, I really hope he gets it, and I hope the Niners pay him because he's a big part of their team. Well, I think it was more that he wanted to be comparable to, to the other running backs on the team. Like Tevin Coleman was getting paid, or is getting paid around $4.5 million a year. And I think we all agree that Mostert is probably better than Coleman and deserves that um, amount of money. Right, and even Jarek McKinnon, who hasn't played in the past two years, is getting $7.5 million per year for doing nothing. Yeah. So I hope they pay Mostert for his sake and for the team's sake. Yeah, so I don't think there are any internal issues going on here, but there could be a little tension between Mostert and the 49ers. Once they get the deal done, however, I think that they will be on the same page and just want to win this year. Yeah. So I don't think we have the opinion that he will be traded. I think they will work out a deal and that he will stay in San Francisco. But on the off chance that he is traded, 
What does this mean for the San Francisco 49ers offense, who's also going to be missing Debo Samuel at the beginning of the year? It hurts. Um, I don't think it's a huge blow. Running backs don't have too much value, and they have backups. Potentially, Jarek McKinnon's going to come back this year. We don't know. Coleman is still a solid player, but Mostert has proven he's the best player on this team, or the best player in the backfield, at least. And it'll definitely be a blow if they don't have him. Yeah, I will say, fantasy-wise, that Tevin Coleman might have a little bit more value now. I mean, he had games where he was the guy, and we know that Kyle Shanahan likes to go with the hot hand in the backfield. So if Coleman is that hot hand and you're getting him later in drafts, that might be a big value. Absolutely. Okay, so our third piece of news uh, comes out of Washington, and they are finally changing their name um, from the Redskins. I know this is a long time coming, and uh, a lot of fans have been pushing this, but I really think this is a money-driven thing. Um, Washington lost their sponsors from Nike and FedEx, and I think they're losing it from Amazon if I'm not mistaken. And I think Dan Snyder responded to that and started an investigation into the name. Yeah, it's unfortunate it took this much. You've had millions of people for so long clamoring for a name change. And now that you have corporations that are pulling their money and their their business, now that's what it takes. But I'm glad it's finally happening. Yeah, and I think you can see a ripple effect, like the Cleveland Indians started talking about how they might have to change their name as well. Yeah. So just right off the top of your mind, what is one name that you would want the Redskins to change to? Well, I've been thinking about this a little bit, doing a little brainstorming, and you have the Washington Nationals and you have the Washington Capitals, so why not do something on the same lines as that, maybe the Federals? I don't know. There <laughs> there are all sorts of options. Uh, something that has to do with D.C. is probably preferred. I, know, I mean, it's funny because you have the Capitals and the Nationals, then you have the Wizards out of nowhere, so yeah. it, it is kind of weird. But yeah. it will be fun to see where the Redskins go with this it, when they eventually do change their name. And I saw one report saying they're considering the Red Tails. I think Dwayne Haskins liked that name, which is an homage to the Tuskegee Airmen from uh, the movie Red Tails. That'd be cool. Okay, so our next piece of news is kind of on not on the positive side of things. Um, Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson um, posted some very problematic comments on Instagram, or he promoted them on his Instagram and Twitter. And we're not really going to give our opinion on the situation because this is more of a fantasy football show rather than a political or news show. But we just want to bring it up. and there's a lot of things you can do to learn about the situation. Will, do you have anything to say? Yeah, if you want to learn about it, Stephen A. Smith had poignant comments. I believe Michael Wilbon did as well. So those are places you can look to. Yeah, I really like Michael Wilbon's comments. Um, I think they're very informative. It is an ugly situation, and I know the Eagles and Jackson are working through it. But, yeah, I'm, it's. I think we definitely need to touch on it because a lot of other media companies aren't really touching on it. So that's all I have to say about it, though. Yep. Okay, and our last piece of news is that the NFL decided to cut their preseason down to two games, and then they decided to cut it down to no games. What do you think about this? I have always been a proponent of reducing the preseason. I don't think it's very helpful. You've seen in recent years the Rams don't even play their starters in the preseason. I think the only the, the big issue for me is that a lot of unproven players, undrafted players, aren't going to get that chance to make the team that they've had in previous years. So we might be missing out on a, a new Adam Thielen or a new Dylan or a new Raheem Mostert. Yeah, so that's unfortunate. 
But for the players' sake, I think it's probably the right move. Yeah, it does. And I did see some talks about cutting the roster sizes down. So that sucks for the players who aren't big name and want to prove that they can make a roster in the NFL. I agree. We It's definitely a good thing that they're getting cut down, and they probably should have gotten cut down even without coronavirus. I really hope that this doesn't have an effect on the regular season um, just because coronavirus has taken every other sports league away from us, so that would suck if football got taken away as well. Uh, yeah, but that's basically it for the news today. Let's move into our uh, mini game, and today we're going to be playing a new mini game. I like to call it Regress or Impress, so I'm going to be giving Will a player from last season, and Will is going to say if he thinks that this player will impress on his finish from last year or regress, meaning he gets worse from his last his his finish last season. Sounds good. The first the first player is Jaguars wide receiver DJ Chark. Chark was a second year player last year, and he had a pretty good season. Um, he ended wide receiver sixteen. What do you think about Chark? So when I'm determining whether a player is going to get better or worse, I look at mostly two main factors, which is is the player itself himself getting better or worse and is their opportunity and volume going to go up or down so when i look at chark last year was his second year he took great strides from his first year and while he may not get too much better this year i think it's fair to say he's on the up and up so his talent is still improving so i like that aspect of chark and in terms of volume there really aren't that many other options on the jaguars you have dd westbrook and you have keelan cole i think is still there but he's still the number one target, and the Jaguars should not be a very talented team, and so the passing volume should definitely be there. Yeah, I agree. I think Shark will have a pretty good year, and I think that in past seasons we've seen that Jacksonville has had a decent defense. That is probably not the case this season, and I think they'll be trailing in a lot of games, and Shark is a very good downfield receiver, and they'll have to use his talents to get back into games. So I think Shark will impress on his wide receiver 16 finish, I do think you can call his last season a breakout. So I don't think we're going to see a f- breakout per se from Chark, but I do think we see an improvement on his last year's stats. For sure. The next guy is Austin Eckler running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. And Eckler was very high last season. He ended as the running back six. Yeah, he's a talented player. And he had, had some sort of a, a breakout, you can call it, last year, especially in the receiving game. I don't think that it's reasonable to expect him to suddenly get more talented going into this year i think we kind of know what he is and unfortunately the volume is probably not going to be there this year you have you still have justin jackson in the backfield they drafted joshua kelly from ucla which should take some of the running volume away and then they're gonna be passing the ball less because tyrod taylor is not gonna have the same passing volume as philip rivers and usually running backs get the same volume in whatever offense they're in, roughly, if they're kind of a checkdown guy. But Eckler is more than a checkdown guy. He's almost a slot receiver. And that's where he got a lot of his targets. And I think he'll get a few of those in an offense led by Tyrod Taylor. So while he still could have a good year, I don't think he's going to approach last year even close. Yeah, I have Eckler sat it out for 85 targets, which is almost 30 less than he had last season, 25 or 23 less than he had last season. And I just think that's because you're moving on from Phillip Rivers, who's a check down master, as we've talked about in previous episodes, how he's going to help Jonathan Taylor and the Colts offense with check down passes to the running back. And I think that factor is completely gone for Austin Eckler. I do think he receives a little bit more of the workload. And we saw that last year. Well, I do think Eckler is a 
efficient runner. We saw last year when Melvin Gordon missed time that Eckler wasn't as efficient with the huge workload. And that can be attributed to his size and to his, I don't know if you want to call it lack of skill or maybe lack of experience running between the tackles. So I don't know if we can completely buy into Austin Eckler's volume as a running back. Um, I'm definitely on the impress, I mean, sorry, regress side for Austin Eckler because I don't think he finishes as high as the RB6 like he did last year. Yeah, agree. Okay, and the last guy is tight end um, from the Oakland Raiders, Darren Waller. Waller was had a very good year last year. I feel like all the guys we're talking about had huge breakout seasons after kind of lackluster or unknown seasons from the year before. Darren Waller was the third overall um, tight end in fantasy. I was see where he finished last year. And what do you think about Waller's season upcoming? I think he I think we kind of know what he is. He's a very talented player. And so I expect his volume and production to stay kind of the same as last year, but I also think he should have positive touchdown regression because he only had 3 touchdowns last year, I believe, which is abnormally low for a tight end with his volume. So, if the touchdowns go up and he continues to see the same volume he has, He's a solid option this year. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if he impre- improves from the tight end three because there were guys around his range that finished within a few points that missed a game or two. But I do think he has a very good year. Um, he's such a consistent option. I mean, I had him on some teams last year and he was finishing with seven catches and 70 yards every week. And then the fact that he didn't add a touchdown um, – made it so that his fantasy inputs outputs were not as good. But if he um, improves on the touchdown number, which I expect him to do, get about six or seven touchdowns this season, then he could have a really good year. Yeah, I don't... When you're considering drafting a guy like Darren Waller, he's probably not going to win you your league if you draft him, but he's also not going to lose it for you. So if that's the kind of player you're targeting at that point in the draft, he's a solid option for you. Yeah, I would say that he's probably going to regress on his, last, on his finish from last year, but I think he stays similar... Uh, to the statistics he put last year just because his sim- his uh, situation hasn't changed much and he's a very talented player. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the um, bulk of this episode. The topic that we are going to cover for the rest of this episode is the sophomores. Last week we covered the rookies um, and this, there's a lot of good sophomores who have potential for a breakout year. Let's start with some of the running backs. The first guy I want to bring up is Josh Jacobs, who is going as high as the first round in some drafts. I've seen him going within the first seven picks. What's your take on Josh Jacobs? I think he's a very talented player who is going to get a ton of rushing volume. One thing that was surprising for me last year was that he really did not get that much volume in the receiving game, despite the fact that I think he was one of the most elusive running backs in the NFL, but just wasn't getting the ball outside of like screen passes. So... If he's able to get more of the passing game, he could have a real breakout year. And if not, he could have a kind of Nick Chubb sort of season. Yeah, I mean, I, from my standpoint, I think Jacobs does get the receiving work. He was drafted 24th overall, and not many running backs go in the first round. We only saw one go in the first round this year. Um, I think Jacobs was drafted to become the workhorse back. We know John Gruden loves to involve his uh, running backs in the passing game. I think the issue last year was John Gruden is an old school coach and he doesn't really trust running backs um, that are rookies to protect the passer. So we had guys like Jalen Richard and double tight end sets to protect Derek Carr. But with Jacobs moving into his second year and with Gruden as the coach, I think that he'll be forced 
to um, protect the passer in a better uh, way than he did last season. And I think he'll be given that opportunity. And once he's given the volume that I expect, I think Jacobs could be as high as a leading rusher in the in the AFC. And that might sound crazy, but he was very good last season with what he had. And if you give him more vo- volume, I think he can reach that ceiling. I think it's certainly in his range of outcomes. And you also have to factor in the Raiders' offense wasn't great last year. And if you're someone that believes in that offense, then Jacobs could have a monster year. Yeah, I, I really like Jacobs this year. I... Am all for taking him in the back of the first round. I don't think that's wasting a first round pick because I think he um, comes back with that produ- with that production, and I think that you could see Jacobs receiving over 250 carries this year and receiving over 50 to 60 targets, which would be a huge for him. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the second guy, Miles Sanders of the Eagles. He's also being taken pretty high, uh, first round, back of the first round, start of the second round is where San- Sanders is being taken. I love Sanders this year. I liked him a little bit more when he was earlier in drafts when he was being taken towards the back of the second round, early third round, because the name value wasn't there as much. I don't know if I can trust Sanders as my RB1 because uh, projecting his stats, they looked very nice on paper, but we've seen that the Eagles and Doug Peterson don't love to use a workhorse back method. They like to put guys like Darren Sproles in past seasons or uh, guys like that into their scheme. And while they lost Darren Sproles and Jordan Howard, um, who was their two down or like first and second down running back last year, they still have guys there like Boston Scott who can take time away from Sanders. And even though Boston Scott isn't as talented as Sanders, I just think the Eagles might employ a method that is more towards the committee. Yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. I think the NFL as a whole is kind of moving away from the workhorse running back because it's kind of putting all your eggs in one basket. And there are very few guys that are going to get true three-down workload every single time, like Christian McCaffrey. And I think if you're drafting Miles Sanders, you're not expecting Christian McCaffrey. And at the end of the first round, if you're taking him as kind of your 1A, I think if you pair him with another running back at that that first, second-round turn, that's a great option for you and it can lead to a, a good draft. Yeah, I completely agree. I I am starting to like the turn picks a lot more because you can get like a Chubb, Jacobs, Chubb, Drake, Chubb, um, Sanders. You can pair two of those good running backs, and then you can soak up the value on wide receivers and tight ends later in the draft. And I think that if the Eagles do use a workhorse um, back method, Sanders could receive over 220 carries and over 70 to 80 targets, which could be very valuable in a good offense with a great offensive line. Yeah, and we've seen how valuable this backfield can be. And if you draft Sanders, I would honestly consider drafting Boston Scott as kind of a handcuff because if Sanders goes down, unless they sign some other free agent, Boston Scott proved last year he can he can handle a workload. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that take. I, I just think Boston Scott can... He did handle the workload for a few games, but I don't know if he can handle it for the full season. They have Corey Clement there, too, who was there when they won the Super Bowl, and I think that they would give him a lot of work, too. But I don't think that you're really preparing for that. I mean, Sanders is going to be a great back in this offense. Yeah, you obviously are. it's a huge downgrade to Boston Scott from Sanders, but I think he's still he, he is someone you're willing to start if Sanders goes down. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay, let's move on to our third guy, David Montgomery with the Chicago Bears. I mean, Montgomery had the volume last season. I don't think all of his woes can be put on his shoulders. 
the Bears' offensive line was probably the worst in the league last year, and it didn't get any better. So that's not a good sign for David Montgomery. Uh, and their quarterback situation is also not great. I'm not going to get into the meme that is Mitch Trubisky, but <laughs> it doesn't help Montgomery because he can't really open the field. Uh, what do you think about Montgomery? I think currently I see him simil- similarly to the way I see Allen Robinson in the sense that they're both being drafted at their floors because the Bears' offense was so bad last year that they're being drafted at last year's finish versus where they are likely to end up this year. If the offense gets any better, you're going to see Allen Robinson have even more monster numbers, and I think Montgomery's yards per carry should go up from an abysmal 3.7. And we've seen they want to give him the volume. He's a capable pass catcher as well. I just don't think they gave him enough volume because they used Tariq Cohen in that role. But he's he's capable of doing that. And I think that if his efficiency gets even a little bit better, he's going to outperform his current ADP. Yeah, so I know we talked about Montgomery earlier in the week when we were preparing for the show. And I went back and watched some of his tapes, and I did see that he was is a very talented player. I mean, the draft capital um, respects that he was a very good player. And so I think that if there is any improvement with his offense, like you were saying, that Montgomery will have a good season. I mean, he's going to receive over two... He could receive 270 carries. Yeah, certainly. Which is crazy, but he could also rush for 500 yards with those carries because yeah. of how bad the offensive line is. Yeah. But Montgomery has all you want in a fourth-round pick at running back. I mean, he has over 200 carries. He has the goal line work for a decent team. He has a, that has a good defense, so they would want to run the, the ball. And he's probably going to get receiving work. It may not be very valuable because of who's throwing him the ball. But if he gets 30 to 40 targets, it it could be a good season for Montgomery. Yeah, it's hard to get excited about someone who's playing on the Bears. But I think that's turning away a lot of people. And you're going to be getting that of value this year. I agree. Okay, the next guy is Devin Singletary with the Buffalo Bills. Um, personally, I love Devin Singletary. Like, the talent, talent-wise... He's just amazing. He was 5.1 a carry last year. He missed a few games, so we weren't able to see his full season output. And the Bills used a um, running back by committee method with Frank Gore. Now, going into year two, um, some people may say that they continue to use that RBBC method as they brought in Zach Moss in the draft. But I think Singletary can handle the load. Yeah, I, I disagree with you a lot about Singletary because I think I just don't think he's going to get the the full, the full volume because A, he's 5'7", 203, which is very small. And B, Frank Gore led the team in carries last year and Zach Moss is better than Frank Gore. So unless Singletary gets a lot better this year, which I'm not sure I want to bank on, I think the volume is going to look a lot like it did last year. And you also have to factor in that Singletary faced the fewest percentage, the lowest percentage of stacked boxes last year, which I think will probably regress this year towards kind of the mean. So I think his efficiency is going to go down, even if the volume goes up slightly. I don't think he has the same upside as other guys in his range. So I'm kind of off Singletary. Yeah, well, if you look at it, I mean, Singletary missed four, four full games, but he wasn't really given the starting job until week until week four. He, was, he received less than 10 carries twice. And... If you're going to give him even 12 to 13 carries a game, we've seen that his um, efficiency is very high. He was at 5.1 a carry last year. 
And I'm not saying they give him 270 carries like we were talking about with Montgomery. That's probably not right. in the cards for Singletary. I don't think he handle he could handle that at his size, like you mentioned. Right. I but I think that if he's able to surpass the 200 carry mark, that would be huge because his output is very good with um his yards per carry metric, and you give the fact that the Bills have a very good defense and are not in a great division. Apart from the Patriots, the other run defenses are not very tough. I like Singletary on a week-to-week basis because he has a lot of upside uh, based off the matchup he's playing. I mean, I think he'll receive at least 50 targets this season and uh, in the passing game. And I think that the fact that you bring up the loaded boxes, I don't think that changes much. Or running again, sorry, running against non-loaded boxes, I don't think that changes much because he hasn't proven, or the NFL defenses haven't seen Singletary at his peak, in my opinion, and the Bills added weapons like Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen will be throwing the ball more. So I just think there's a lot of things that make this offense better. And as this offense gets better, I think Devin Singletary has better output. Yeah. I think I also differ in the sense I don't believe in the Bills as much as you do. I think the offense isn't going to score that many points. And I also think the touchdown upside for Singletary is quite low due to the fact that I don't think a team is, is that good on offense. And also the fact that Josh Allen gets a lot of rushing touchdowns himself, which also hurts. And then you have to factor in that Zach Moss is probably a better goal line back than Singletary. So I'm, I'm worried about the touchdown upside for a guy like Singletary. Yeah, I, I mean, Singletary had a lot of... I know it's difficult to project the big runs for touchdowns, but Singletary did have a bunch of breakout runs that led to touchdowns. So I don't know if he necessarily needs the goal line work, although I do think he will receive the goal line work from my standpoint. Um, I don't think he necessarily needs it to be great in the touchdown game. We'll see for sure. Okay, the last running back we're going to touch on is the Rams running back, Daryl Henderson Jr. I know we touched on him last episode, and we called him D'Angelo Henderson, but his name is actually Daryl Henderson, and (laughs) we're going to talk about him right now. So I actually think he's a lot of value in drafts. I mean, there hasn't been a lot coming out of the Rams camp as to who the starter is. I think they probably will go with a committee, but if he earns the starting job, he's being drafted in like the eighth ninth round ranges in fantasy drafts and if you're getting the Rams starter in the eighth or ninth round that's huge yeah and you also have to note the Rams love using their running backs in the red zone everyone likes to act like Todd Gurley died but Todd Gurley had 10 touchdowns last year running the ball and if Henderson gets a decent workload in that offense and if he gets the red zone touches there could be a massive upside for him yeah I agree I think Henderson has a lot of um, upside for sure Okay, let's move on to the wide receivers. Um, there are so many good wide receivers from last year. I mean, we were talking about it last um, episode, how anomalous last season was with all the good rookie receivers, and some of them will have even better years in their second year. So the first guy we're going to talk about is A.J. Brown with the Titans. He broke out towards the end of last season when they uh, started to use Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. And he averaged 20.2 yards per reception last season. I think we're both on the same side that that's probably going to come down to the range of between 15, 14 yards per reception. Just because in the NFL, um, defenses will start um, closing in on Brown. And that's just not a very plausible number. Yeah. I'm also concerned because he got a lot of his production on play-action passing, which leads to those big downfield shots and teams can do that when the running game is super successful and so if you want brown to repeat that same production 
you're banking on the Titans' run game to also be as incredibly efficient as it was last year, which is possible, but I think last year was just so absurd. Everything about the Titans was so absurd that I don't... I, f- I feel a little bit scared to, to predict that to repeat. Yeah, the one thing I will say, Will, is I, I don't know how you view his ceiling, but I think that like if everything goes right, A.J. Brown could easily be a wide receiver one in fantasy again. And yes. he's being drafted as the 16th receiver in fantasy, you know? So he is being drafted around guys that I would probably take over him, like Calvin Ridley, uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen. But I do think that at that uh, draft price, it's not asking too much because you're probably not – you're probably drafting him um, between his floor and ceiling, and his ceiling is very high. Right. And also, if the run game isn't as successful as last year, they're probably going to throw the ball more – so maybe his efficiency on his targets decreases, but he probably gets more targets. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty with A.J. Brown, which is scaring me off, but the upside is certainly there. Yeah, I think it would help if you start your draft with two good running backs like we were talking about earlier. So then you have your baseline, and you can take a Brown, and then you can take like um, another receiver who offers more consistently, like a Robert Woods, yeah. or a Tyler Lockett, or someone that you know will have a consistent output on a week-to-week basis to tie in with Brown, who could be a little inconsistent but has those huge boom weeks. Yeah. Okay, the second guy is Terry McLaurin from Washington. Um, I'm just going to go straight to you because I know you love Terry McLaurin. Yeah, he's one of my becoming one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. It's, it's one of those things where when you believe in a guy early and he proves you right, it's, it's fun to root for him. And I think he's just a spectacular player. When I when I watched him at Ohio State in college, I was like, this guy is a great route runner, and he just gets open. And that was like, the, like that's what I loved about him most. And then in week one of last year against Philadelphia, he just absolutely burned Rasul Douglas for like a 70-yard touchdown, which led to this perception that he's just a speedster. And I think this narrative is very very wrong because he's a fantastic route runner he is very fast and he also had a factor in he had the highest contested catch rate of any receiver in the nfl last year he does it all he's an absolute number one receiver on his offense and the only concern i have for him is that Dwayne haskins might not improve as much as we want him to yeah i think the concern is definitely with haskins um mclaurin's potential is very very high because the volume is there um the skill is there and i th- I was watching film on McLaurin this past week and saw him destroy guys like Stephon Gilmore yeah. with his route running abilities, and it's just great to see a young guy like that doing that. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I am very excited for McLaurin's second year. But let's move on to the third guy, uh, DK Metcalf for Seattle. I'm very high on Metcalf. Um, I believe that this may not be a popular take, but that Metcalf usurps Lockett and becomes the maybe not the number one like viewed by fans on this offense, but target-wise, I think Metcalf will outproduce Lockett this year. And with a guy like Russell Wilson throwing you the ball, that ceiling is very high because Russell Wilson, his touchdown percentage is very high every season, and Metcalf's a huge guy who will be utilized in the red zone. So I could see Metcalf with, a tu- with double-digit touchdown upside. Yeah, and we saw what he did against the Eagles. Admittedly poor secondary in the playoffs last year, but he rose to the occasion and was fantastic. I hate to be the guy that brings it up, but... Antonio Brown has been linked to the Seattle Seahawks, and if that were, if you were to go there, it would hurt Metcalf and also hurt Lockett. And I think the same thing applies to 
Hollywood Brown, who we're going to get to in a bit. If the Ravens were to get Antonio Brown, it would hurt him. But I don't think we can project anyone to get Antonio Brown right now. And if we don't, I think Metcalf is a fantastic player. Who I think I agree he's going to usurp Tyler Lockett. Yeah, with the current standpoints, I really like Metcalf. Yeah. And he's being drafted pretty, like, at his floor, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he has a monster ceiling, for like sure. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 25, and I think he can be a top 15 receiver, for sure. I agree. Okay, let's move on to the next guy, Debo Samuel with the 49ers. We touched on him earlier, or in a few episodes, because of his injury. Uh, what do you think about him? I love him as a player. He's one of Kyle Shanahan's prototypical great route runners, great after the catch, uh, awesome receiver. But we saw with the 49ers that their game scripts week to week were so volatile and when you're drafting a guy as your wide receiver two, likely in the case of Samuel, or maybe if you're going receiver heavy early on, your wide receiver three, you want that consistent production. And I really don't think that's going to be the case with Samuel. Last year, he was very inconsistent. It might improve this year, but they have a pretty deep receiver room. They're not like a bunch of star receivers, but they got a lot of them. And Shanahan is not afraid to insert any player as the focal point in his game plan. So I'm a little bit scared of Samuel. Yeah, I mean, there's just systems across the NFL that work not based on who the player is. Like, the Patriots system works, and it has worked with many players over the year playing uh, wide receiver. And it's the same thing with Kyle Shanahan. Like, any of those guys, while they may not be as talented as Samuel, Kyle Shanahan knows how to use them and use them efficiently. So if Samuel misses some time and someone else steps up, he might lose... Some of that um, efficiency that we were talking about from last season, I probably wouldn't draft him at his current ADP just because even if he does start the season with the team, I'm scared off by that injury because we saw that it does have a 20% chance of re-injury rate. Yeah. And especially on a run-heavy offense, the upside really just isn't there, in my opinion, for Debo Samuel, which is unfortunate because I love him as a player, but we're not drafting players, we're drafting their opportunity and their volume. Yes, but he did receive a lot of uh, rushing opportunities last year. I mean, he was probably the high, highest, the highest volume of any receiver, maybe after DJ Moore in the NFL with rushing attempts. I'm not saying that they're very valuable and they were a bit more efficient than they probably will be this season, but that's like if they the 49ers are showing they want to give Samuel a ball that's in true. any in any format. If it's in the open field, off rushing attempts, off of targets, I think Samuel has has volume in both games yeah and you have to consider he could get an extra one or two touchdowns in the running game which is yeah very valuable exactly so let's move on to the next guy um marquise hollywood brown for the baltimore ravens i love hollywood brown as just a player in the nfl and in fantasy like his upside is insane i mean like for the first few weeks last year he was burning defenses. I know against the Dolphins, he had like an 83-yard touchdown reception, and he just showed how talented he is from the get-go. He's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 33. That's with guys like Julian Edelman, Marvin Jones, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks. Marquise Brown's ceiling is so much higher than these guys, and we I know that the volume in Baltimore is not like very high, but he doesn't need volume. Like I just right. mentioned he... He can take any pass to the house. He just doesn't need volume. And it might be difficult at first to see when you can start Marquise Brown, but I think that it'll be beneficial if you just implement him into your lineup. I think you'll be I think you'll be happy more times than you won't. Yeah, he's a guy who could have 3 catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Like Yeah. He's he's incredible. I think the pairing with Lamar Jackson is also very awesome because teams have to commit so heavily to stopping 
the run game with the running back and Lamar Jackson, that Brown is going to see a lot of single coverage and not a lot of safety help oftentimes, which is going to lead to those big time uh, deep balls that are going to win you weeks. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like as, as defenses have to focus more and more on Jackson, because I feel like this season defenses are going to commit so much to that just because how much he burned defenses last year. And that'll only help um, Brown because we've seen how good Jackson can actually be in the passing game. I know there were, concerns about that earlier in his career but I mean those are all behind him now and if Brown is able to benefit off of the um, loaded boxes I think that can be huge he'll just break off a bunch of receptions for touchdowns yeah and I'm not sure how valid the report is but apparently he was playing last year with a foot injury and was still torching defenders so if he's actually fully healthy this year and is faster than he was last year watch out yeah, he did miss some time because of those injuries you were talking about, and he has said that he put on 15 to 20 pounds of uh, muscle and that this is his best health that he's ever been in his whole football career throughout Oklahoma and with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I'm excited for him. So, yeah, watch out for Hollywood Brown for sure. Okay, the next guy is Deontay Johnson with the Steelers. I don't know about you, Will, but I love Deontay Johnson. Again, as a player and as a fantasy value, just like a bunch of the other these other guys. I mean, we've seen in years past, I'm not calling Deontay Johnson Antonio Brown. Don't get that messed up. But we've seen in years past that the receivers on the Steelers have value, you know? And last year was terrible because Ben Roethlisberger missed the whole entire season, or for for most of the season. I think he missed 14 games. But they just don't really have an adequate backup option. And that hurt Juju. It hurt Deontay Johnson. And Deontay Johnson actually led the rookie receivers in receptions last year. I mean, yeah. he's shown how great he is with his hands and in the route running game. I love him. Yeah, watching his tape, I was frustrated because he was getting open so often and Rudolph just wouldn't, just like, he just didn't see him, which is really unfortunate. But seeing how much he got open, a guy like Ben Roethlisberger is going to get him the ball. And he is an immensely talented player, a great route runner, very shifty. And I think Ben's going to love a guy like that. Yeah, I, I love Johnson. I think his ceiling is very high. Uh, and he's also being drafted in the back of the wide receiver 37 right now. Like His ceiling is so much higher than that. Um, I take him as many times as I can in fantasy drafts. Yeah, I think the entire Steelers passing offense is being criminally undervalued right now. Uh, Juju is a great player. He's being underdrafted. Uh, obviously, Johnson. I think you can even draft Roethlisberger in fantasy if you want. I'm not sure. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure he's a great option, but he, two years ago he was the quarterback too in fantasy. Right, he led the league in passing yards. I think people seem to forget that last year was unfortunate with the injury, but I think the Steelers are going to be exciting this year. Yeah, another thing you bring up Juju Smith-Schuster. He's moving back to the slot where he excels at a high level, and while he might receive a lot more targets, it's not going to take away from Johnson. It's only going to help Johnson. Like. The defenses are going to have to respect Juju in the slot, and that'll open up the outside for Johnson. Yeah, there should be a lot of passing volume this year, which benefits all those guys. Yeah. All right, so the next guy is Darius Slayton with the New York Giants. Again, I love Darius Slayton. It's uh, it's difficult to see who the one is on this Giants team. In my opinion, it's Darius Slayton, especially with uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, when we saw Daniel Jones finally earn the job as a starter, he clicked with Slayton right away. Slayton had eight touchdowns last season in a shortened year because he wasn't giving the starting job and he dealt with injury. And if you give Slayton a full season and he is the respected one on that team, I think it could be a huge year. Yeah, I don't understand the hesitation on Slayton because he was a touchdown monster. He had a great connection with Jones. 
And if you just watch him play, he passes the eye test. Like, he yeah. goes up and gets the ball, and he's a dynamic player. He's not some, like, gimmicky guy who got touchdowns he didn't deserve. He earned those touchdowns, and I see him doing similarly this year. Yeah, I really like Darius Slayton, so I would target, again, if you have two great running backs, right, and you're targeting any of these guys in the back of the fourth round, you get McLaurin, right, you get Metcalf, you get Johnson, you get Slayton, they go great with your running back, and I'm fine having any of them as my wide receiver two or three, so there's just a lot of great options. Right, and like, as much as we love these guys, likely not all of them are going to take that leap, but if you draft a few of them, you're going to hit on a couple, and it could win your league for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Because you're drafting them as the wide receiver 35, and they could be a top a top 15 receiver. They're almost free, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. They're being they're being drafted with, like, the the back end. Um, like, they're going after running backs in their range that they're, they're going to end so much higher than those running backs. It's just insane. And yeah, you have to ask yourself, like, do you want a guy like Larry Fitzgerald who – is going to put up numbers, he's probably going to beat his ADP, but you're never going to feel good about starting him, or are you going to draft a guy like Darius Slayton, who has that immense upside, and if he doesn't work out, you can just cut him. So, yeah. I, I think in these late rounds, these a lot of these sophomore guys have a ton of upside, and so the, I think a lot of them are great targets. Yeah, um, is there any other guys you want to bring up? I personally love Mikkel Hardman of the Chiefs. I think amidst all these sophomore stars he's being overlooked and it's he, he only had 26 catches last year which is somewhat underwhelming but he had over 500 yards on those 26 catches <laughs> that's almost insane he had six touchdowns like just a bunch of deep balls and he has Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in football throwing in the ball and if he's able to take that second receiver role in that in that offense ahead of Timmy Watkins he could be an absolute monster this year. I think people, yeah. he's, he was a rookie last year. He's obviously getting better, and he has immense upside. And odds are he's not going to have an awesome year, and you can cut him because you're taking him, he's almost free in drafts. But I think he he can be an amazing value at, the, at where wow, he's being Just drafted. to put that in perspective, he was 20.7 yards per reception last season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the. I, I don't expect him to recreate that, but I also don't expect him to get 26 catches again. I expect him to be within the 45 to 50 catch range, and then he'll be less efficient, but he'll have more volume. So he'll be. he'll He's a great option, yeah. And people forget that he was a second round pick. Yeah, and any pass from Patrick Mahomes is more valuable than a pass from literally any other quarterback. Yeah, and very true. He has a chance to score a touchdown on every single play that he's on the field. Yeah. I also want to touch, though, that he did have some inconsistent finishes. Like, it was difficult to know when to play him. I mean, I got burned by him getting a few negatives sometimes. For sure. But I think that, like, in the future, it'll be easier to know when he um, has, like, good outputs. And I think it becomes more consistent. I certainly hope so for his sake, and I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay, I just want to touch on uh, Steven Sims real quick from Washington because he ended the year really on a high note. And if Haskins does make any uh, waves as becoming like an improved quarterback, then there's going to be a lot of value to go around in Washington. I mean, we talked about uh, McLaurin earlier. I think Sims does have value as a uh, wide receiver two in Washington. I don't know if there's any matchups you would really play him in. I think it might be difficult, but for uh, DraftKings leagues and FanDuel leagues, I think he could have a lot of value. Yeah. And 
while we we often preach that touchdowns are somewhat random in fantasy, there are some guys that just have a nose for the end zone. We we bring up Calvin Ridley like that. And I think Steven Sims proved last year he just kind of finds his way open in the red zone. And yeah. he scored a few touchdowns where he just he just finds a way to get open, which is very valuable. Yeah, there's one last guy I want to touch on before we move on to the quarterbacks and tight ends. But Nikhil Harry for the Patriots, I mean, I think he was the first wide receiver drafted last season, if I'm not mistaken. Or he was one of the highest receivers drafted. He yeah. was in the first round, right? And yeah. um, he had a terrible year based off his draft capital. Um, I know his, uh, like, metrics based off his size are off the charts. Like, he's huge and he runs a great 40 time. But, like, his route running abilities are just not there yet. But I think that he could have some upside with Cam. Yeah, it's hard to project him to have a great year. We just don't really know. But is it worth taking a flyer? Yeah, it probably could be. You can you can justify taking him. So I don't yeah, see a problem with it. He could potentially be the one for that offense. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like consider him a target for myself. But is he a guy that I'm actively avoiding? No, I think he has a chance to have a pretty good year. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to the tight ends. We have only two tight ends that we're covering. Uh, the first one is Noah Fant, uh, who plays for the Denver Broncos. Fant wasn't great in the beginning of the season, more because he just didn't have any volume and he wasn't the starting tight end. But towards the end of the year, he came in uh, when Drew Locke became the starter, and they had a very good connection from the beginning. Yeah, Fant had over 500 yards. He is a really, really fast player, and he, sh- he showed kind of like a, a George Kittle-like ability after the catch, where I think he stiff-armed a few guys and then had this like awesome run to the end zone. Uh, might have been against the Chiefs. I could be wrong. But he he has immense value. He's being drafted very low. You can take him relatively safety safely where he's going in drafts, and he could have a monster breakout season. Yeah, the other thing is with uh, Fant, like not many rookie tight ends have huge or show a lot of promise. Like I mean, in past years, we've seen Evan Ingram was great. But other than that, there's not many tight ends – who show a lot of promise in their rookie season. And to see that from Fant is huge. Yeah, and I think, I forget which Broncos coach it was, but one of them mentioned that Fant really reminds them of George Kittle. And it's I'm always wary of comparing a guy to a, a superstar, but he has a lot of potential in the receiving game, and he's a solid blocker, which should keep him on the field a lot. Yeah, Fant is a yak master yeah. tight end like Kittle, so I, I like that with Fant. The other guy I want to talk about is TJ Hawkinson with the Lions. I mean, he had a great week one and I think, I mean, and after that he kind of like died off, but, yeah. and he played against the Cardinals who were just horrific against tight ends last season. Yeah. But I do think Hawkins is a talented guy. I mean, he was drafted as the eighth overall player, like literally top 10 pick as a tight end. Yeah. In the NFL draft. So obviously the Lions think that he is very talented and I think that if Matthew Stafford can stay healthy the whole year and have huge numbers, Hawkinson will benefit from that. I think people forget about him because Fant and Hawkinson both came out of Iowa in the same year, and they're both first-round picks, and Fant, over the course of the year, outperformed Hawkinson. But just because Fant's an awesome player doesn't mean that Hawkinson isn't, and he has the potential to be a great option. And so if you're considering taking Hawkinson, your other options are guys that are just like decent players that you can pick up on waivers. So when a guy has an upside like Hawkinson or Fant, those are the guys going to be targeting in the later rounds. Yeah, I, I mean, in fantasy drafts, I've been starting to target it. Like, 
I'll take Stafford in the 10th round and then follow that with Hawkinson in the 11th because I think that stack could be really valuable. I mean, it's not going to kill you if you have to cut Hawkinson. You're just cutting your 11th pick, and then you'll just pick up waiver tight ends anyway. So it's not like you're married to him like you would be with like a Zach Ertz or Mark Andrews. So I think that Hawkinson has a lot of upside. For sure. I like him a lot. Okay, let's move on to the quarterback position. There's a few guys we want to cover. The first guy is Kyler Murray, and Murray was the obvious first-round pick once he committed to the NFL over the MLB. I mean, he's just such a talented guy with the rushing floor and the huge arm, and as he matures, that accuracy will get better with his huge arm. Yeah, my biggest concern actually with Murray last year was some of his decision-making. He made some pretty dumb throws, but it seemed like when he made a mistake— he never made that exact same mistake again. Yeah, I agree with that. And so he's getting better. They added DeAndre Hopkins, which is massive for him. And you also have to just like factor in he's going to get 700 rushing yards or so, which for fantasy quarterbacks, rushing is so incredibly important. So I think Murray is undoubtedly for me the quarterback three in drafts. So I think it goes Lamar Jackson, then Mahomes, then Murray. And... If he ends up slipping in your draft, go ahead and take him. But I don't think he will because people are starting to catch on to how good this guy can be. Yeah, he, he he's not going to slip in drafts, which sucks, because his upside was so big when he was being drafted in like the 8th and ninth round uh, earlier in the fantasy season, like in the summer, or I guess in like April and May. But his ceiling could be as high as the quarterback one, to be honest. Maybe not the one because there's Lamar Jackson, but maybe the two or the three. Because the rushing floor we've seen is so big with quarterbacks. That's why Lamar Jackson was so good right. last year, because he has the rushing floor. Right, cause and it, that's there for Murray. Because a rushing yard counts as, or 10 rushing yards counts as a full point, versus yeah. it takes you... Uh, 25 passing yards to get a full point. Yeah. So so it's, it's huge. So Murray has that, and in some cases, I'm fine taking Murray in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, he's he's a guy that I'm not afraid to take if he ends up... Like, I'd rather have bit. him, or, I'd rather have him than Dak. For sure. Okay, the next guy is Daniel Jones for the Giants. Uh, I, I know that I have expressed how much I like Daniel Jones. Um, there were a lot of uncertainties surrounding him last year when the Giants selected him six overall, and they, were, they received a lot of scrutiny because of that. But I think that Jones has shown a lot of promise. Like, he showed that he could be their guy, and he also has an underrated rushing floor, which could help in fantasy. Yeah, it's kind of like a Chris Tapps Porzingis sort of thing where <laughs> – I like was, that analogy. Because when he was drafted, New York fans booed him, and everyone was roasting the GM. And I think he's starting to prove people wrong a little bit. The The fumbling issues last year were really unfortunate. He fumbled yeah. a lot, but it doesn't honestly hurt his fantasy value that much, and he's not going to get benched. So he that offense, they're, I still don't think the Giants are very good. And so if they're trailing in games, they're going to be in a lot of hopefully high-scoring games. I think towards the end of the year, you saw the Giants had a couple shootouts against the Redskins and against the Eagles. And if that's the sort of uh, game script that's going to be going on for the Giants this year, Jones has immense upside. Yeah, I just want to touch on, you don't have to waste a draft pick on Jones. Like, You can take one of the other guys we've been mentioning, like a Matthew Stafford or Carson Wentz, and you're not going to spend any draft capital on Jones. And then you can, I mean, because he starts the season pretty tough. He has the Steelers, the Bears, the Niners, and the Rams. Yeah. But... In the middle of the season, I'm just going to read you a few games after week seven. He plays home against the Redskins, against the Eagles, home against the Buccaneers, against the Redskins again, home against the Eagles, in 
Cincinnati against the Bengals, and then he plays the Cardinals and the Browns. It's just it's so easy in the middle of the season. You can get a lot of free wins. You don't even have to waste a draft pick on a player that's going to help you win some weeks. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you don't not not every player is going to be a guy you draft or want to draft because fantasy is like the draft is only one part of fantasy. The what you do in the season matters just as much if not more. And having a guy with that kind of schedule and that kind of upside later on is going to be great. So maybe don't draft him, but definitely keep your eyes on him. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so the next guy is Drew Locke with the Broncos. We talked about him earlier when we were talking about Noah Fant. Uh, I haven't fully bought into Locke as an NFL talent. I think you're pretty uh, a bit higher than I am on him. Yeah. Um, I just see some consi- inconsistencies with his game. I mean, he struggled to throw the ball to like really talented receivers last year. I mean, he couldn't hit Cortland Sutton for the last few games. It was just kind of weird to see it like that because I do think Locke becomes a good quarterback, but he could have some inconsistencies. I don't really think I would draft him in any fantasy league, and it would be difficult for me to start him. Yeah, I, I like him as a player, but I'm also not really targeting him just because I think they're going to be a run-heavy offense. I view him very similarly to the way I view Baker Mayfield, where they want to run the ball. They they brought in Melvin Gordon. They have Philip Lindsay. They should be a run-heavy offense. And so w- when you have a team like that and the upside's not really there for a quarterback, I'd much rather take a guy like Matthew Stafford who has that immense passing volume that can overcome a lack of rushing volume. Yeah, I, I don't think Locke is really a fantasy target this year, but I do think he will be a good quarterback in real life. Yeah, and I think you can still target some of the Broncos receivers, maybe, but it's an offense that should have very spread out volume, which is good for the team, but kind of unfortunate for fantasy. Yeah, I think he's more of like a game manager for this season. Yeah. Okay, so the la- the next guy, sorry, not the last guy, but the next guy that we're going to talk about is Dwayne Haskins. We've touched on him when we were talking about the Washington receivers, and um, Haskins has a lot of inconsistency in his game, and there's a lot of questions surrounding if he can be a franchise guy in Washington. Uh, I mean, it's not just his fault. Their offensive line wasn't great last year, and the running game wasn't great, but Haskins has shown a lot of inconsistencies. Yeah, he's someone that I'm rooting for. I want him to be great. I think this offseason he lost a lot of weight because he wasn't in great shape last year. I still don't think he's going to get rushing volume. I don't think he's a, a great athlete. But I think if he can get even a little bit better, it should make McLaurin and Steven Sims viable options. And if if he can take that big leap into being a franchise quarterback, the Redskins offense has quite a bit of upside. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it rests on his shoulders for their offense to have a good year. I don't think it'll... I, I think McLaurin will still have a good season. Yeah. And he should just help out Haskins. Again, like, with Locke, I wouldn't really start Haskins in many matchups. Yeah. And I think he did correct a lot of his issues over the course of the year. Like, on tape, he made some pretty boneheaded plays. Um, but he did improve it. He started holding onto the ball a little less taking fewer sacks over the course of the year. And if he can take those those lessons he's learning and implement it into his game, improve his footwork too, I think he can be a solid quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just thinking about it right now because we're talking about Haskins. We talked about McLaurin. Uh, I mean, the Washington Redskins have uh, Chase Young. They just drafted him. They should just call him the Washington Buckeyes at this point. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, well, let's move on to the last guy, Gardner Minshew uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars have shown that he's going to be their starter. I mean, they didn't waste much capital on getting him in there two years ago, but Minshew's going to be the starter in Jacksonville this year. Yeah, I'm sick of the Minshew disrespect because people, they, they're reluctant to believe in him because he was a sixth-round pick. And th- there's this like notion that he was a sixth-round pick for a reason, blah, blah, blah. But he had... 20 passing touchdowns last year only six interceptions he had a bad offensive line a bad defense his receiving core was decent with dj chark the running game wasn't that great fournette's a solid player but the offensive line didn't give him very many openings and the fact that he was still able to make it work leads me to believe the jaguars should be building around this guy and i think it would be a huge mistake if they end up moving off him and going in a different direction because I think if whatever team ends up getting Minshew, I think a lot of teams would want him, he's going to have a great situation elsewhere. But I think yeah. for, for this year, he's not a guy I'm targeting in drafts, but in the right matchup, he's someone that I'd be willing to start. Yeah, I think you covered it. I mean, uh, yeah, I wouldn't draft him, but I do think he has upside in the rushing game. Uh, before we end the show, I just want to touch on one thing I've been seeing on Twitter uh, Joe Mixon has been tweeting these cryptic tweets. He In the past hour, he tweeted an eye emoji, a stay woke um, symbol, and he said real situations expose the fake people. So I don't know if there's something internal going in, uh, going uh, happening um, with the Bengals, but Mixon is definitely going off on social media. Interesting. I, I have no idea what to make of that, but yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, he has... Uh, expressed um, concern with his contract issues there before. So hopefully it's nothing going on there, but you never know with Joe Mixon. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you can tune into future episodes of the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. And remember, we're posting every week on Thursday and they come out at noon. So um, also please feel free to check out Semi-Pro's other podcasts such as Garbage Time and Keep It a Buck and check out our YouTube videos and articles that are being posted daily. See you next time.